This podcast was brought to you by withaim.co. Heading out to wonderful. Part 1. The Man Who Sins. Episode 3. A Night by the Maury River. A shimmering and a stillness all at once. Charlie moves across the land humming a song. But compared to the landscape itself, he's still and mute as a rock. Compared to the animals that unseen surround him, moving, feeding, breeding, he's a statue. The thousand, thousand grasses, dry now in the late summer heat, bristle like the brittle pages of a thousand ancient books being turned by invisible scholars. Every blade and leaf and rock, now, late summer, getting dark, speaking of loss and endurance, the birds settling down for another night or two before their long, familiar hegira. The landscape he walks is an endless cascade of loss and dying and coming to life again. And he feels the immense silence of the dead and the eternal pulse of the living in the soles of his feet. He is in the valley of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, on flatland by the Maury River, He's cradled in the palm of the valley as a mother holds an egg. His quilts are spread out on the ground, sandwich eaten, the speckled tin plate washed in the river, the last light, now the thinnest veil between him and the mossy blackness of the night. He hums the song he heard two days before. The old guy is singing it, sitting on the porch at the general store. Brothers, overalls, dung-smeared boots. The brothers, white-haired and bearded. A five-string and a mandolin. The same face, no more than two years apart, playing and singing a song they'd been singing together for years and years, singing separate lines of music that flowed together like the water around him into a single river of sound. The words come back to him, the sound of their wavering voices infused with a belief in what they knew to be true. Life is like a mountain railway with an engineer so brave you must make this run successful from the cradle to the grave. Watch the curves that fill the tunnels. Never falter, never fail. Keep your hands upon the throttle and your eyes upon the rail. It was music. It was gospel. It was their heart's true belief, those old men. And Charlie... Listening, believed, not so much in the gospel, but in the foreverness of the thing, the music, the brothers, the valley itself, and that was more forever than any man could take into his mind. What does he believe, he wonders now, humming and thinking the words of the song he made them sing three times until he got most of it down. 
He believes at this minute, in this valley, this land he's walking on, in this water that flows nearby and through his life, the passing of afternoon into evening into night, this blackness of safety and solitude, he believes in the peace of it, the eternity. Blessed Savior that will guide us till we reach that blissful shore. But this, here, the valley of sweet Virginia, this is the blissful shore. There is no more to reach for. But humming, he knows, he knows what he believes. He believes in the strength of muscle, the pleasures of the body, the goodness of the heart. He believes in goodness, and this is a new thing, a, a gift to him from the river and the land and the blue light now almost black, the ink of the sky pocked with stars. This is what the valley and its waters whisper into his ear in this evening into night. He believes at this moment, and he will always believe it, that people are good, and that he is good among them. Where the angels wait to join us in God's grace forevermore, now he knows the angels have joined us, have joined him, are in him. Such a surprise, after all. So many living things, snake and bird and fish and man, each working to create the whole, this brilliance of sound and silence, these voices of man and animal that flow into one voice. And that voice is the whole southern world, is this loss and this living. For what else has the land done but persist? And in the face of that, what else was there for him, for any of them, but to persist along with the soil that gave them bread and fed as well their hearts? Lying down on his quilt, he remembers it all. It enters into his body, and he knows that he has become the thing he will be from now on to the end, unless something terrible, something unimaginable happens, but believing that it will not. There is such deep silence. There is such a roar of noise inside that silence. There is just so much. He thinks, as he does every night before he sleeps, he wonders what is the point, what is the reason for all his wandering, for his solitude in a peopled world, if he's not one day to have children, a child of his own, a son whom he might teach and train and raise up to be a scientist or a butcher or a baseball star. He misses, as he does every night before he sleeps, the soft and peaceful breathing of his imagined son sleeping clean beside him. He closes his eyes. 
and he sees the dream that waits for him ahead, and he hears the brothers, finished with their laughing over his foolishness, realizing that they are in the act of converting a sinner into a believer, so they sing with conviction and grace, and then wave him on, no more. They wave, no more, you're on your own, that's enough, they wave. If you don't get it now, then we've failed and you cannot be saved. As you roll across the trestle, spanning Jordan's swelling tide, you'll behold a Union Depot into which your train will glide. There you'll meet the superintendent, God the Father, God the Son. He sleeps now cradled in peace, his right hand cupping his ear, in sleep, hearing, but not hearing anymore the final words the old men gave to him so graciously. With that hearty, joyous plaudit, weary pilgrim, welcome home.